You know, if you're familiar at all with the Bible, or at least the Gospels, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the Gospels, and the ministry of Jesus, he is known for asking hard questions. I mean, they're easy questions on face value, but when you have to answer them, they become very hard. I mean, if you know how to do the square root of something, I could ask you, what is the square root of 144? 12. If you know how to do square roots, you know exactly what that is. But if, if you really can't answer that, you uh. So let's look at some of these questions that I have skimmed across. We're in the book of John, and we're going to come to this great question today. But look at this first question. He asked Peter, you know, this is a guy that had denied him, and then, you know, do you love me? And some of these questions he asked not only in the Bible, but he asked you today, sitting in the pew right where you're sitting there. Do you love me? What has your response been to me because of that love? Next question. Why are you so afraid? He asked this to the disciples over and over. You know, the, the storm has come. Why are you guys excited? I mean, why, why, why are you afraid? I, I am with you. Same thing. How many times have you been afraid? Have you forgotten that if he is with you, what do I have to fear? Next question. Are you going to leave? He asked the disciples that. Will you leave me too? So, will you leave him too? Next one. <laughs> that sounds like something you say to one of your kids. How long shall I put up with you? I mean, so many times he says things to them and they don't get it. And I think that's the next one. Do you still not understand? Well, those are all some tough questions. But the question he asked today in this week's gospel might be the most jarring of all. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Let me introduce you to this next chapter uh, we're going to look at John, the fifth chapter. Remember we started, those of you who maybe this is your first time here, we started in the Gospel of John the first of this year. And we have been slowly making our way through it. I hope you've enjoyed it. It, it is a gospel that I have never preached from one end to the other end uh, without stopping. But it is, they are accounts and events of Jesus' life and his ministry that I'm very familiar with. But each time I think when I read them, something new jumps off the page and, and it speaks to me in a new way. And this one kept over and over talking to me this week. Um, some time has passed. I'm so, trying to set you up. And some time has passed since I preached last uh, from this passage. But like two weeks ago, we were talking about a Jesus healing a ruler, uh, could it be a minor king, a representative of the king? If you remember, I nicknamed this guy from chapter 4 at the end, Basil, because it talks about, it uses the Greek word basilica, that is something, an emissary or representative of the king, and I just nicknamed him that. But he heals this man's son. And John picks up in this fifth chapter and says, some time has gone by. Now, we don't know how much. To, to speculate is just that. I can tell you it's been a year. In fact, it says he's gone up to or down to Jerusalem. Does it say up or down? 
Because I think that's interesting, because I think it's a reversal. He says, up to Jerusalem, and actually from the area of Galilee, it would be, the way I look at things, north and south, it would be gone down to Jerusalem. But it says in the text, he's gone up to Jerusalem for a festival, for an uh, event, some feast that's going to go on in the Jewish tradition. And those of you who know that upright Jews of the day were commanded to go to at least three different festivals in, in Jerusalem, and they would have to make this journey there. Uh, it could have been the Passover, and that some would say that. And if it was the Passover, it would make this a, almost a year since uh, the last account. But once again, to, to go beyond that, we don't know. He's going to pick up near the Sheep's Gate, which um, is, is known throughout the Scripture. I think there's a little bit of foreshadowing there. Jesus will talk about feed my sheep. He'll talk about being the good shepherd. He'll talk about us being like that one lost sheep. And he, over and over we see shepherding illustrations in the gospel. But he goes there and there is a pool called anybody? Bethesda. Bethesda. Yeah, it's not the hospital, the military hospital. No, it's that word means house of healing, house of mercy, house of grace, house of kindness. Anytime you see the word Beth in the front, that's the Hebrew word for house. I think, uh, go back, chapter 1, verse 44. Philip and Andrew and Peter were from the town of Bethsaida, which is the house of fish. These are fishermen. So get an understanding. He's gone to this pool that is known for its healing. And the, in fact, the pool, interesting thing about that. For years, commentators, I'm talking into modern day history, if you think of King James being written somewhere in 1611 or 1613 or 1603, there are a little bit of different accounts of, and some of you have new King James, but if it was written there, it's not for almost 270 years later, this pool is discovered, 1888. Up till then, they thought John was just telling them, spinning a yarn. And then they dig down some, I think it was like 70 meters deep they had to go into, and they found these colonnades, these pillars, if you will, these five uh, objects that were referenced here in the Gospel of John. And, and at that point, commentators say, uh, 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 I guess it was true. I guess it was right. And I think that's so good right in your face. This is God's Word. And I'll talk to you a little bit more uh, towards the end of the sermon about how many people in our country believe in God's Word today. But here we are. Um, this pool is also located near. In fact, is Carol Kirk here today? Carol, I haven't seen her. Is Carol here? Wave your hand. No, maybe, maybe not. Uh, last time I mentioned something about uh, going to the Holy Land. She says, get a trip going to that cliff. I'd like to go. Uh, I would not mind to see this at all. And maybe we should do that. But uh, this, this pool was near a church that in modern day Jerusalem is called St. Anne. And that traditionally, that's where Mary was born. And uh, there's a lot of other traditions about that. But if you ever go to Jerusalem, you could be able to look up uh, this pool of Bethsaida. And there, Jesus finds an outdoor nursing home. I mean, that's what it was. It says that there were blind, lame, those that... I love King James. He says, impotent folk. Anybody got King James? Is that what it says, Judd? I know you're King James Carrier. Impotent folk. I said the church is full of impotent folk. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't you love how words kind of change over time? But impotent in and of itself means powerless. People without status. People that need healing. 
people that have no position in life. There were people like what we do sometimes in a nursing home. And I, don't, I worked in a nursing home in college, and I appreciate all those who do that. But there are people who are often forgotten by society in those facilities. And it comes to mind, why would these people be there? I'm going to get to reading the scripture in just a second, but I, why would these people be there? Why are they gathered around this pool of mercy, this pool of grace called Bethsaida? To get healed. Well, how would you know that? Pierce, would you read from your Bible, John 5, verse 4. Pierce uses the ESV typically, right? Read verse 4 for me. Verse 4 is not in Hmm. Interesting. Not in his Bible at all. I read from the NIV. Mine goes John 5, 1, 2, 3, verse 5. Dan? He typically is a New American Standard guy, which is a really a, it's a more modern translation too, but what does it have? Okay, so many biblical translations have left out verse 4 because it's not in the oldest manuscripts. And therefore, some say, leave it out. But if you don't know the tradition, if you don't know the context, you kind of lose some of it. There is an allusion later on in the verses you'll see that the, the, the man will say, stirring of the water. But, but basically, uh, there was a habit of those who needed healing to go to this pool because, in fact, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament is full of angels, so it's not hard for me to imagine that an angel could come and stir the waters. But after this angel had stirred the water, the first body person who got into that water, whatever their infirmity was, they were healed. So that's why these people were there. So let's look at the text that we have today. And I won't make you st stand for two hours, but why don't you stand with me as we read the gospel. Chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for that long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father, as we look at a familiar passage today, I pray that as we look at these words, that there'll be more than just a story, not, not uh, to discount the miraculous healing that Jesus gives to this man, but how it might speak to our hearts, how we might answer this difficult question, that on the surface is very simple, do you want to be well? Lord, Speak to us in this hour. Help us to see how we can be whole, how we can be put back together through the love 
and the sacrifice and the grace of Jesus. These things we pray in his name. Amen. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? That question hurts. I mean, because... Does it make you uncomfortable? I mean, it would imply there's something not right with you. And, and as I was sharing, I think, with uh, Lou and Mary Beth in my office, if I had been that guy and you asked me, I probably would have come unglued on Jesus. Do you want to get well? Hey, man, I've been here 38 years. What do you think? Some Messiah you are. No, I, 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 know, I wouldn't say that. But wouldn't you have that boiling up inside of you? I mean, Jesus, if you've been told that I've been here for 38 years, I've been coming, whether he stayed there all day, we don't know. I mean, once again, to speculate is just to do that. Was he brought there during this season when they're anticipating the waters to be stored, uh, stirred? I don't know. But nonetheless, he asked a very obvious question. If he didn't want to be there, why was he there? I mean, he didn't want to be healed. Why would he be there? So somehow, as I read and reread that question, I wanted to think, does he, want, does he not want to walk? I mean, what is Jesus trying to get me to think here? What, what is he trying to get the, this man to say? And then I overlooked the question after I read it so many times. Do you want to get well? He doesn't say healed, although the word could be translated healed. Uh, Judd, what does it say in King James? Do you want to get Whole, whole. And the more I thought about that, the, of course, I like to pull out a Greek word every now and then, especially when I can make it into an English word. The Greek word comes, or we get the word hygiene from it. It's like hygieneo. So hygiene, I mean, we learned, my mom and I were just talking about this yesterday, right? Remember, I mean, this pops up, and you get, chase a squirrel. How when COVID first happened, you washed your hands all the time, right? Everybody's washing. They're just, oh, God, I got to get my hands clean. And all of a sudden, we don't wash it so, I mean, we wash after certain things, but, you know, you don't wash like you did. You know, you, I, I wash hands every Sunday after you guys leave because I've shook hands with like 100 of you, and I've watched you scratch your nose and do other things. And I think, I better go wash my hands before I go eat. But to be hygiene, to be whole, to be well, doesn't necessarily mean you'll be able to see or be able to walk or, or to be able to do some of the things that you may want to do if you want to get well in the mindset that Cliff has. You know, God, I, I, I want to do this. Well, he says, I, I want to make you well spiritually. Hmm. Well, this guy answers not with, yes, I want to be well. He answers with a excuse, Right? Are you familiar with it? Look at it. Let me read it for you again. So you go, you know, Cliff, come on, state the obvious. Well, that's what theologians do. Um, do you want to get well? Instead of saying yes, the man says, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. He doesn't say yes. So that's our first point is the blame game. Now, Maybe he's a little bit defensive. Maybe he's tired of all the suffering of 38 years, almost four decades, and now Jesus is trying to make him feel like it's his fault that he hasn't been healed. But no, Jesus says, do you want to be well? It could imply maybe there's something else wrong with him. 
Maybe something that he's responsible for. I, I don't know. But he's defensive because he gives an excuse. Well, the reason I haven't been able to do this is because nobody will carry me down there. Jesus, though, I want you to make sure you understand this. He's not blaming the man for his illness. He's not. But he is saying, will you think on something within yourself that is not whole, that needs to be well? And it strikes me that the attitude that we ascribe to this man lying by this pool is very likely something that you and I identify with in our own lives Revealing how we might react to being questioned by Jesus. Do you want to be well? Well, if that means giving up something I like doing, no. I'm not answering for you. I'm not answering for myself. I'm just giving you something to think about. This passage has a lot in it. Go back to those tough questions. Guys, can you flip back to them and just go back really fast to them? Or not. If you can't, that's all right. Do you love me? What's your excuse for not loving him? Next one. Why are you afraid? What's your excuse for being afraid in 2022 to tell somebody about Jesus? What's your next one, guys? Are you going to leave? Are, 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 I mean, you could talk about worship attendance. You could talk about just being with him daily in your prayer life and in your Bible study time. And Go to the next one. How long shall he put up with you? Hmm. On? Do you still not understand that he's not talking about always what we think? He's talking about in his way. How do you need to be well? One more. Do you want to get well? Hmm. Well, we blame others for our faithlessness. And we blame others for our failures all too many times. Now, I started in college the year Rocky came out. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Adrian. I mean, how, how many Rockies are there? Like 75? Probably just a few less than our many, that many Rambos. But, I, I, yeah, I, I know that they go into the creeds and like Creed two and whatever. But this is, I think, the, f I don't know. I just love this one for excuses. So here we go. You got, I'm setting the text. This is Rocky with his adult son. So this is like Balboa, I think. Just turn it up a little bit. You don't look scared. Well, you ain't supposed to. Then you don't have to do it. Yeah, well, I think I do. You know, living with you, it hasn't been easy. People see me, but they think of you. Now with all this going on, this is going to be worse than ever. It don't have to be. No, sure it does. Why? You got a lot going on, kid. Oh, well, my last name? That's the reason I got a decent job. That's the reason why people deal with me in the first place. Now I start to get a little ahead. I start to get a little something for myself. And this happened. Now I'm asking you as a favor not to go through with this, okay? This is only going to end up bad for you, and it's going to end up bad for me. You think I'm hurting you? Yeah, in a way you are. That's the last thing I ever wanted to do. I know that's not what you want to do, but that's just the way that it is. Don't you care what people think? Doesn't it bother you that, that people are making you out to be a joke and that I'm going to be included in that? Do you think that's right? Do you? You ain't going to believe this. But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful 
It was great just watching you. Every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son and you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. So I know that was a lengthy uh, video there, but it, it does cause us to think how many times we make excuses for our own lack or poor performance on things. Jesus is asking you the question today, do you want to be made well from all that paralyzes you, all that weakens you? Do you want to stand up? Do you want to walk? Do you want to move? Or have you resigned yourself to setting beside the water and making excuses that no one will carry you forward. Today, stop blaming others because you have one, no one to drag you into that pool. And if we use that foreshadowing or that idea of who Jesus really is, if there was an angel who could stir the water and someone after that angel did that could be healed, Jesus is greater than any angel. He is, as John 1.1 teaches us, he is God. He will do the healing, the changing, the wholeness in your life. Not that you won't have physical problems or difficulties, but your soul, your attitude, your outlook can be full of grace and mercy, forgiveness and love. Jesus wants you and me to be made well, period. He wants you to walk again. He wants you to thrive again. He wants you to live again. He wants to deliver us from the baggage that paralyzes us, our fear, our past, our laziness. He wants that, and he wants it fiercely, enough to say and command to get up, pick up, and do. Sounds like what you might say to a teenager, right? You guys aren't listening. Maybe you don't have that kid in your house. 
Or maybe they're no longer teenagers and they still have to say the same thing. Get up, pick up, and do. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, um, when we look at this verse, 8 and 9, Jesus tells him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. And why it stopped there is because next week you're going to find out that he did this on the Sabbath and the religious leaders of the day get so mad at the man who's been paralyzed for 38 years. I mean, he's been, he's been unable to do what he's done for 38 years, and they get upset because he picks up his mat on the Sabbath. And we'll talk about that next week. But <clears throat> Jesus' thoughts and questions are always uh, about doing something for us or, or causing us to do something. When, when Peter... Saul and the other disciples saw Jesus walking on the water. What does he say? You know, get out of the boat. In other words, get up. Come, come and walk towards me. And, and he did. When the ten lepers approached Jesus and wanted to be healed, he says, go and show the priests. And on the way as they were going, they were healed. What does he cry out to Lazarus when Lazarus was in the tomb? Come out, come forward. So when Jesus gives a command, he gives us the capacity to do. So with a command comes capability. With a direction comes the desire to do what God has wanted us to do. And, and you follow through on that desire. You know, I read this week, I thought it was kind of funny because I was on an airplane on Thursday. And, uh, you know, fasten your seatbelt sign nobody pays attention to. I mean, that thing is, all, I, I, I was raised by a policeman. I spent my adult life, most of my adult life, in the military. I, I'm a rule follower. So if that light's on, I don't get up, you know. I don't always have to change my pants before I got up. If the light was on, I mean, I, it'd have to be really bad for me to get up. But these people don't care. And I read this guy this week that said, in our churches, we do not have fasten your seatbelt lights anymore because there's no one ready to fly in the church. He said it's like a bunch of geese coming into church and sitting in the pews and somebody preaching about flying and they all walk home. We talk about reading our Bible. Stay with me. We talk about having a discipleship group. I mean, I'll Push Pierce's, you know, project, and all that we're trying to do is growing in community and growing in our faith. We talk about all the things that a Christian can do, and then we leave it here on Sunday at 12 o'clock, and we pick it maybe back up on Wednesday or come back, and maybe we'll see it again the following Sunday. Four days ago, Gallup released its latest poll and I get an email, this, the guys know in the office, because sometimes it's really crazy, I'll forward it to them. I get, it's kind of like those in the military, the early bird. It's, it's the version of a Christian databases, what's hit the news. And Gallup poll re- released the religious trends in our society. And it said 20% of Americans believe that the Bible is literally true word for word. 20%. I don't even know if I believe that. Because it said 49% believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, but not everything in it should be taken literally. And then sadly, 29% say that the Bible is an ancient book of fables and history. 
I'm wondering if that whole 20% number is too high. Maybe even right here in our own congregation. As Christians, we have waited for someone else to carry the ill, the lost, the infirmed into the healing waters of Jesus. We've been too busy to witness, too overburdened with our iPhones to pray. You know, that's one of my pet peeves. In fact, I told Lou and, and, and Mary, Mary Beth in my office, we should make room in our hymn racks, and then you could put your cell phone in there when you come to church and bring a real Bible. Because when you look, look up the screen, and I know some of you do, you look it up on your iPhone, and if a text message comes in, or Cliff is just a little more boring than normal, you're over to Solitaire, you know, Facebook. I'd be on Marketplace looking at cars for sale. And my son probably, and Nick, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't done it today. I, I know. But not this sermon. Um, we have remained heartless towards the lost. We have remained mute towards the good news and God's holy word. I wore this shirt especially today. We claim to be with God, with others, and with a mission or on a mission for Christ. A nice logo for a t-shirt or for a sign in the back of the sanctuary or on a slide deck with our preaching slides. But what have you done this week? To be with God, to be with others, and to be on a mission for Him. I grew up in a church. Well, actually, I, I mean, I was thinking our church did that or not. It's just once I preached that. I know the church I pastored for and I came in the Air Force. Remember those? Did you guys, Wade, you probably got the longest tenure. Do you ever have one of the wooden signs that had the hymns up there? And they had offerings? Had an be in Sunday school? One of the other ones was contacts. Remember that? Those of you who are old-time Baptists, on your offering slip that you would drop off in Sunday school, you put how much money you put in there, and you put how many people you had invited to church. I'm going to get you right now. Raise your hand if you invited no one to church this week. How can we fix that? I won't make you raise your hand if you haven't prayed this week or you haven't given this week or if you haven't witnessed this week. Hmm. With Christ's command comes the capacity to do. And to quote Rocky a little bit, yes, you will witness, you will share with someone who will knock you down. But get back up. Help some other lost soul to meet the Savior that you know. So get up, pick up, and do for yourself, do for your family, do for your neighbor, do for the lost of this world. Do you want to be well? Stand with me, please, we pray. Lord, as we come now to a time of invitation in this service, if there's someone here who has never come to that, experience that sharing, that knowledge of becoming a follower of yours. I pray that as we sing this next song, as I'm standing here in front of the pulpit area, that if someone 
wants to receive Christ, they'd come forward, we'd ask together, we'd pray, we'd confess the sin, profess the need to, to follow Jesus and Lord, then to accept him as Savior in their life. Or maybe there's someone here who needs to come to these steps and pause for prayer. We have members of our prayer team that gladly pray with them. Whatever decision, Lord, let us not leave this place without being well, having our soul restored with you. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen.